Hello and welcome to One Golden Moment. I'm your host, Benjamin Coleman, and today we have three very special guests on the show, Lucas Perkins-Brown, Justin Kim, and Tom Eisenberg. These are three of our writers who all follow and write about basketball, and today we are going to be giving you guys a little bit of an update on the NBA bubble, what's been happening so far, and what's to come. So to start things off, before we dive into the basketball, why don't you guys give me some of your thoughts on just how the bubble has worked out so far. Uh, so far, I think it's been extremely interesting. I mean, we're seeing great competition across the board. We're seeing players like, you know, TJ Warren, uh, Gary Trent that are kind of popping up out of nowhere. And, you know, obviously they didn't take any time off during uh, quarantine. Um, you're also seeing a little bit of drama too. Yesterday we saw Paul George, Pat Bev, and uh, Damian Lillard get into it over social media. So it's got a little bit of everything, which is kind of what you want in sports. Uh, so far, I, I'm giving it like a 9 out of 10. I love it so far. It's great. It's great entertainment. Absolutely. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. It's awesome to see like all like the virtual fans and stuff like that. And it seems like they're really controlling COVID. I think there's been zero cases since July 29th or something like that. So I think that's that's obviously that's awesome. And I love seeing like all the player vlogs, like JaVale McGee or like uh, Matisse Diable, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. So it's like super entertaining to sort of get like a close up view of like what these NBA players like are going through right now. And yeah, I think the competition is great too. Like uh, TJ Warren going off and stuff like that. That's awesome. Just seeing these random players just going off. So yeah. Absolutely. Tom, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's been perfect. I mean, like I give it a 10 out of 10. Like it's been run as well as it possibly could have been. Lots of competitive games. There's no cases. Uh, I don't even care about the fans in general, so not seeing them there doesn't matter. It's cool being able to hear them, like the players yelling when they think they should get a foul and stuff like that. So I think it's been really fun. So now let's talk a little bit about the games that have happened so far. Why don't you guys talk to me about... Uh, let's start off in the Eastern Conference, and why don't you each give me a team that you think has been the most surprising in a good way? Um, you know, I really want to say the Pacers here because it's obviously, you know, the kind of obvious choice. I feel like that the Pacers are playing very well. But I'm going to go with the Celtics. I think the Celtics have proven, you know, time in and time again that they're a threat in the Eastern Conference. You know, the Raptors are the second seed. Bucks are obviously the first seed. You know, the, the Bucks have, all, you know, the Bucks have uh, you know, dropped a few games, I think, here and there. The Celtics are over here torching other teams in the East and in the West. They're playing very good – excuse me, they're playing very good defense. They're playing very, very good offense. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown look great. Kemba looks solid. Uh, I would say the Celtics are definitely, yeah, not so much surprising, but definitely didn't think I'd see that kind of firepower from them this early in the bubble. Definitely. They've looked really good. How about you, Justin? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Indiana. 
Uh, their team chemistry is much better than I anticipated, considering that they didn't really have Victor Oladipo a lot of the year. And T obviously, like, TJ Warren, uh, definitely looking like a superstar right now. I think he's, like, the leading scorer in the bubble right now. And they've been really good teams like the Lakers. Like, I was I was watching that game yesterday, and I was really surprised to see their, like, chemistry going through, coming through in the fourth quarter, especially against, like, a really tough, like, Lakers defense, like, a usually tough Lakers defense. And, Yeah. Uh, I would also say the Pacers because when they lost the bonus, I was like, oh, they're done. They're going to drop all the way to six, which is the lowest they were going to feasibly drop. And they would just get swept in round one. But TJ Warren has emerged as maybe a future all-star by the way he's playing right now. And Victor Oladipo has been really good too, averaging just under 17 points a game in the bubble. So they've been great. I think they've won four or five games. Yeah, four or five games. And I think they could actually potentially get a first-round upset over uh, whoever they face. Definitely. There have been so many teams that have looked good in the East. You mentioned the Celtics, the Pacers. I think the Raptors, too. They lost a tough one against the Celtics on Friday night. But before that, they were undefeated in the bubble. There's a lot of these kind of upstart teams in the East. And I think we've all kind of seen a little bit more parity um, compared to the regular season versus in the bubble. A lot of the top teams are going down. So. With that, do you think that any of these kind of Eastern Conference upstarts, like the Celtics, the Raptors, the Pacers, do you think any of them have a chance to knock off the Bucks and make it out of the Eastern Conference? The Bucks have lost three games and aren't looking super consistent right now, or do you still think that it's Milwaukee's conference to lose? Um, yeah, right now I think you have to kind of take it, uh, you know, very carefully. I mean, like, yeah, they dropped to the Nets, they dropped to the Mavericks. Uh, they lost to the Rockets, too. But, you know, they've also beaten the Heat uh, uh, a few days ago. I mean, I don't I don't want to say it's theirs to lose, but I definitely think that, you know, in a seven-game series, it's going to come down to who wants it more in game six and seven, uh, if they even make it that far. But some of these teams just don't have the legs, the longevity, I feel like, to play with the Bucks four four games and beat them four four games. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it's theirs to lose per se, but I absolutely think that they're definitely like the number one option you can go with right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Luke. I think I'm going to say that it is still the Bucks to lose though. Like if you look at the games they've lost, uh, I think like the one against the Nets, they're resting uh, Giannis and Chris Middleton in the second half. So I think that's one of the reasons why they're losing and I don't know if there's too much incentive to like totally go all out right now against these teams like they don't want to risk an injury and I don't think they've locked up the one seed but I think it's going to be pretty tough for Toronto to catch up and I think that it's going to be I don't know who can stop Giannis like any of these teams for seven games like I think they're going to have they're bound to have like a couple off games in a seven game series but I don't think rap like I think they're all I think there's like teams that can definitely, like, I think the Raptors may have a better chance of being the Bucks than, like, I don't know, let's say the Heat, but I think they're all, like, probably lose against Milwaukee in, like, a seven-game series, so. Mm. Interesting. I think there's teams that are better equipped to beat Milwaukee, like, or give Milwaukee a challenge, but I don't think any of them have the firepower to do so in a seven-game series. I think it's Milwaukee's conference to lose for sure. Because I just don't think Giannis is just by far the best player in the East. And when the teams are relatively close in terms of overall talent, I always just go with the team with the best player because they figure out how to get it done. And I know Giannis hasn't done it before, but it was a first time for everything. 
eventually I think he's going to start being able to like carry his team to the finals. So I think this is the year. I just don't trust Siakam and Lowry as like the go-to guys to beat them. The Raptors only they took them to six last year, and the Bucks won as good, and the Raptors were better. So I don't really see that happening. I don't really trust Jason Tatum as your go-to guy, and then the rest of the East is really not as strong. I would definitely give the edge to the Bucks. They've been one of the best teams of all time this season. One of the top 20 uh, team seasons ever, arguably, for the regular season. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I agree with all of you guys. They're, they're a juggernaut, and while a lot of the teams in the East have looked good, I definitely see Giannis kind of taking over once the postseason hits. Um, but now that we've talked about some of the best teams in the East, why don't we look more at some of the most disappointing ones? So why don't you guys talk to me about maybe a team or some players who you think haven't really stepped up, haven't shown what they're capable of in the Eastern Conference so far? Yeah, uh, I'm not super thrilled with how the Sixers have played. I mean, mind you, you know, they've won, you know, four out of their five games, I think, something like that. But, you know, they drop one of the Pacers. And it's it, – I don't know, it's, it's weird. The Pacers, in terms of, like, their actual makeup look worse than the Sixers. But, you know, now going forward without Ben Simmons, I don't think the Sixers are going to be a giant favorite in the East at all. I remember that was one of my sleeper teams – uh, a few weeks back when we first had this pre-bubble uh, podcast. But now going into it, it, I mean, Ben Simmons is getting surgery on his knee. There's like a move. There's like a moving body somewhere in his knee. Um, I just don't feel very confident in them. They haven't been super disappointing, but I think now they're going to start looking kind of disappointing just because they don't, they're not going to have that presence on the floor like Ben Simmons. Uh, I don't think any team has, like, stood out to me that, that are, like, super disappointing. I feel like I sort of expected a lot of these teams to perform how they're doing, honestly. Uh, besides, like, Milwaukee, I thought they'd do a little bit better in the in the bubble. But honestly, yeah, to go with, like, Milwaukee, if anything, I didn't expect them to lose, like, this many games. Like, even though, if, like, I feel like they're not taking it, like, super seriously. Like, I still – like, if you want to be a championship team, I feel like you should at least, like – put out like reasonable efforts against like subpar teams like the Nets and stuff like that even if you don't have your two best players because that is one trait of a championship team is your depth and if your depth if you're like even if your two best players are out I feel like you should still give teams like the Nets a better run and still beat them so yeah and also like the game against the Mavericks yesterday I think they're at full strength and they still lost that game uh, I'm not sure how much that really means in the grand scheme of things but I definitely think that they should have not lost that game against the Mavericks yesterday. And, yeah. The Wizards for being zero and six and losing <laughs> every game by at least eight points because they've been really bad. They have maybe like four NBA players on that roster. So I guess I'll choose them because even though they're terrible, I thought they'd be a little bit better than this. Yeah, the Wizards have been absolutely awful. And so in the East, that means that the top eight is completely locked up. The Magic have that eight seed uh, and the Nets have the seven seed, though that could still potentially change over the next couple of days. But in the Western Conference, the race is much more interesting. There are still so many teams that are in the hunt for that eight seed and to get it into a play and matchup with that eight seed. So why don't you guys talk to me a little bit about that playoff race in the Western Conference and talk to me a little bit about those Phoenix Suns, five and zero in the bubble, do you think they have what it takes to get that play-in spot series? 
And if not, then who? Yeah, so, I mean, the Suns uh, tomorrow go up against the Thunder. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the better matchups of the bubble that we've seen so far. The Thunder are, like, extremely interesting to watch, like, very meticulous with the way they play. And then they play the Sixers and the Mavericks. So they definitely have, you know, obviously not the easiest uphill battle uh, on their side. But, you know, they're 5-0, and and Devin Booker is playing some amazing basketball right now. In terms of who I'd want to see – Right, who I actually think can pull it off and would actually have the legs to possibly put up a good series against the Lakers. I think the Blazers stand the best chance. I like Dame's odds against their guards. I like McCollum against their guards. And Trent, that role player that's really stepped up, has really played well. The Suns, I feel like, are just kind of riding this hot streak wave. I'm not sure when it's going to stop. I mean, it might not stop, and they couldn't, you know, sneak their way in. Uh, I just don't really see the Grizzlies holding on to this lead as of right now. They have a one, you know, they're one game in front of the Trailblazers, but, you know, we have, what, four or five games left of the regular season. And then, you know, there's the play-in, if that's even possible. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to come down to the Blazers and the Suns. I, I don't like the Grizzlies' odds, especially with uh, Jaron Jackson out for the season with that uh, knee injury. Um yeah, I like the Blazers, but the Suns, man, whew, they're scorching right now. I got to say that. They're scorching. I remember last time I chose the Pelicans to make the playoffs, but it's not looking too bright for them right now. And I was honestly, as of today, I was still betting on them to get in, but their game again, they're losing by 20 to the Spurs right now. And it's looking pretty, pretty bleak. Yeah, I was watching that too. <laughs> that was bad. I don't think that if they won today, which I don't think they will, uh, I think I still would bet on them. But as of today, it's look like, like as of right now, it's looking like they're going to lose that playoff spot. So I'm going to go have to go with the Blazers, honestly. I think Phoenix, like their hot streak, it's pretty admirable, like considering how they started like the season, like in the normal, like the normal regular season, I guess. Uh, I don't think that they're going to beat Portland. Portland out for that nine seed and I would definitely take the Blazers over the Grizzlies especially since even with Jaron Jackson Jr. I think the Grizzlies Grizzlies would still lose to Blazers just considering the Blazers death right now they have Nurkic back and they have uh, Zach Collins back too also they just have more playoff experience in general Carmelo Anthony Damian Lillard and the Grizzlies are just too young of a team right now so I'm gonna have to take the Blazers in that playing spot for the eighth seed and I think they definitely would give the Lakers the best run for their money out of all the six teams who are competing for that last playoff spot. I still think they'd probably lose in like five games, but yeah, probably the Blazers for the eight seed. I wouldn't count the Spurs either. They have been really good, a lot better than I expected. When they lost Aldridge, I thought they would lose every single game. And they are three and two on pace to be four and two after beating the Pelicans. And I think if they can make the play-in game, I think they can definitely win it. DeMar DeRozan has been – not T.J. Warren level, but he's been really good too. And so I think they've been really interesting. But I also think they would be the worst matchup for the Lakers in terms of, like, easiest for the Lakers because they're just a pretty weak team. They're overperforming for sure. I think Portland would be the most entertaining series because Damian Lillard is the best player out of all of these teams on the bubble of the eighth seed. So I think the Spurs have an outside shot, but I definitely give the edge to Portland if I had to bet my money on it. Interesting. Well, the race definitely will come down to the wire. There are still several teams in the hunt for the last playoff spot. Um, we've talked about some of these teams 
on the bubble who have been surprising, like the Suns and the Spurs. Some of those disappointing teams, like the Grizzlies, who've only won one game, and then even the Pelicans, who for some reason aren't playing Zion as much as they should. But now, why don't we jump to the top of the Western Conference, where there's been some surprises and some disappointments. First off, I know you guys are Lakers fans. Why don't you tell me, what is going on with the Los Angeles Lakers? Three-game losing streak. They really seem like they're struggling in the bubble. What do you think the problem is, and can they figure it out? Uh, I'll start off by saying, Ben, that I am actually not a Lakers fan. So I am just absolutely juiced every single day when I see up <laughs> on my Twitter feed that these guys are getting blown out by the Thunder, just absolutely decimated by the Rockets. And then, you know, TJ Warren is just striking threes in their face to close out the game. I love it. I love the three-game losing streak. I think it's very much telling to how the Lakers play, weak guard play, and, you know, relying on LeBron James and Anthony Davis too much. And I get it. We're not in the playoffs yet. You know, they could be taking some time off, some games off in terms of, you know, trying to rest. But, you know, I think a lot of us fans here realize that, you know, you've had a whole two and a half months of quarantine to take your rest and work out and get your game right. I, I don't expect a team like this to lose, you know, to the Thunder by 19 points. Uh, I, I mean, you know, and only, and only score 86 points at that. At one point, they were six from 46 from the three-point line. I think that was after the Thunder game. Uh, just poor showing. I mean, tomorrow will be a good test against the Nuggets, I feel. Um, but they've been for sure, I'd, I'd say, a pretty – not so much a disappointment, but definitely a shock, I would say, that they're playing as poorly as they are. Definitely a shock. Uh, unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to agree with Luke on this one for the most part. It is very telling. Like all, like we. I, I think it'd be wrong to just brush these games off and just say they're fl like they're flukes and the Lakers aren't focusing. I think that's unfair to the other teams that are doing well. Like I think the Lakers definitely a championship team. They definitely need to focus. Like even throughout these games, and I think eighty yesterday he only had eight points on three or fourteen shooting or something like that. And your best second or fir first or second best player can't be doing that against like against these types of teams. And I still think the Lakers, like, I, like before the bubble, I was betting on them to be easy, like an easy finals favorite to get to the finals. But right now it's going to be looking, it's looking a little tough for them. And I think, I think they still definitely are the best team in the Western Conference. And when they play against like the Clippers or the Rockets, like these elite teams in the playoffs, I think they'll definitely focus. But I think if you don't focus against like these, like, I guess lesser teams or teams that aren't as good as the Clippers or Rockets, they can definitely surprise you. And I wouldn't say upset, but I don't know, like if you, if they don't focus and if they don't like keep their shooting up, then it, it may not be a championship season for them in the end. So, yeah. I'm not worried about the Lakers. We already saw this this season when they started off in the beginning of the season through their first nine games, they shot about 31% from three. Because he didn't have the legs under them. They were just coming off the offseason. And this is the same thing over the past nine games. They've been shooting worse. It's been like 26%. But they'll get their legs back under them. The last 54 games before the bubble, they shot 36% from three. I'm sure they'll get their legs back and they'll make shots. That's really what it is. LeBron wasn't trying until the last game, so he looked not great. He didn't play against the Rockets. So I'm not worried about him. Anthony Davis needs to be more aggressive. But it's really just the shooting. And I think we'll end up starting to make our shots. And I think they'll be fine. I'm not worried. Yeah, one point that sort of like falls in line with what Tom was saying was historically LeBron's teams at during the regular season and at the end of regular seasons usually don't do all that well and 
don't they don't look like the best team like in the playoff like or they don't look like the best team in the regular season so yeah just keep that in mind i guess and they already clinched the one seed too so i guess there's no incentive to like fully go all out but yeah yeah when they tried against the clippers they won when they tried against the jazz they won you know they tried against the pacers and he didn't but the other ones it's like ah they missed shots whatever it happens are the lakers still the favorites out west do you think they still will be able to make it to the finals pretty easily. Um, but if not, who do you think, uh, which Western Conference teams will be able to give them the biggest run for their money? What do you guys think? Um, I'm going to have to go with, I, I, I wouldn't say they're the favorite. I would probably still say I think they're going to make it out of the West. Uh, I, I don't think the Clippers have been playing, you know, too much better in the sense. I mean, yeah, they lost to the Suns. They also lost to uh, – the Lakers, you know, when the bubble first happened, as Tom was saying. Um, but I would definitely still say the Clippers and the Nuggets are probably going to give them their, you know, obviously more of a hard time than any other team. I think the Rockets can also kind of give them sort of a hard time if they happen to make shots. And, you know, Russell Westbrook and James Harden consistently kind of go off every single game they play. Um, I definitely think, though, that their road to – I'll stick by this. I definitely think their road to the finals, if they make it, is going to be a lot more difficult than the Bucks or any other team that comes out of the East. I think they're going to be a lot more game-ridden. I think they're going to have a lot more games, you know, played on the West side, as in, you know, they're going to go to six or seven games as opposed to the winner coming out of the East, you know, only going to four or five games or five or six games. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I would put them and the Clippers as my favorite favorites right now. Uh, the Clippers giving them the most trouble. And then if the Nuggets slip in, I think the Nuggets can kind of give them some trouble too. Bol has been playing very well. Uh, the Nuggets look good. Jamal Murray's back now. So I can definitely see them being an issue. But I think the games will hurt them more than the actual teams will. The overall gameplay will hurt them. Yeah. Uh, I think, the La- I think honestly, yeah, like the Clippers, like they'll probably give the Lakers the best run for their money. Uh, I don't really see any other team matching up as well well with the Lakers as the Clippers do. The Clippers always seem to bring their A game against the Lakers. And even in the first uh, right bubble game of the of this year, uh, the Clippers, they had no Montrezl Harrell. I don't think they had Montrezl Harrell or um, Lou Williams. They still only lost to Lakers by two. So I, can, I think that sort of shows how much they really do focus against the Lakers. And I think the Lakers will probably come out on top in a seven-game series. But, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Clippers. If the Denver Nuggets somehow end up making the West Conference Finals, against the Lakers. I think that Denver could also give them like problems. I think maybe a six game series. I don't know the Lake Denver has a lot of depth, especially with Michael Porter Jr. He's been blowing. I think he had 37 points like a couple games ago. Uh, they have Bobo. They just have so much length that the Lakers may have trouble with, especially their guard Lakers guards aren't the best. And I think Denver has a lot of like bodies they can throw at LeBron and AD. Denver's really interesting because the Lakers, the two times they played them healthy, they beat them pretty resoundingly. And then the Nuggets won one game where LeBron didn't play right before Christmas. And Jokic had one good game where he had a 22-point double-double, but another game where he shot like 30% being guarded by Anthony Davis. I don't think they're a threat at all. I'd pick the Lakers in five games. But the Clippers, I think, can be a, definitely have a chance to beat them. And the Rockets, I think, would be the other threat to beat them because if they're just shooting hot, then no one can beat the Rockets. But that's a big if. You know, a few years ago, they almost beat the Warriors, but they missed 27 threes in a row because you live and die by that strategy. I still would have the Lakers as my favorite overall, but it's not like the Bucks where 
Giannis is by far the best player. Like, the best player in the East besides Giannis is probably Joel Embiid, who will probably lose in the first round. While in the West, there's Harden, there's Kawhi, Paul George, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic. It's way tougher in the West. Definitely. Uh, I think no matter what, LeBron will have a tough road ahead of him, but it should be absolutely pretty fun to watch to see all these superstars in the West battle it out. Um, now that we've talked about the teams, why don't we talk a little bit about some individual players? We've talked about some uh, hot performances in the bubble earlier, but why don't you guys each give me one or a few players who you think have been the most surprising, the best, um, and whether or not they can keep it up uh, for the rest of the bubble and into the playoffs? Uh, I, I think the obvious answer here would, you know, I think I think most of us would probably pick uh, – TJ Warren. I'm going to go with uh, Gary Trent Jr. Uh, he's been pretty good for the Blazers down the stretch. I think they're going to look to him uh, in late game situations if they make it to the playoffs. I also think his hot, like his kind of streaky shooting is also going to keep on going through the playoffs as well if they make it. I actually think they are going to make it. So I'm just going to say when they make it, when they make it to the playoffs. Uh, he shoots, he's on the team with McCollum and Lillard who are already getting, you know, double team Lillard, possibly triple team if he gets hot. Uh, but you know, he helps him lift them over the nuggets a few days ago. He hits knockdown shots. He shoots consistently. Uh, and he kind of came out of nowhere when he, uh, entered the bubble. So I'm going to have to say that he's kind of like my breakout edge performer for that team. I think he's a huge part of the reason why they're also still in the hunt for the playoffs. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to probably say, like, I think everyone's answer is probably TJ. But besides TJ Warren, uh, I'm going to go with Michael Porter Jr. Honestly, I what is even considering him? Like, I didn't even think about Michael Porter Jr. before the bubble all that much. But, I mean, if you look at his past four games, 37 points, 30 points, 27 points, 23 points, all against, like, formidable opponents like the Jazz, Trailblazers, Spurs, and Thunder. And he's shooting, like, all right, like, I think in three games, in uh, only one of the games he shot bad from three, but the other games he shot over 50% each one, 50% from three in each one. And he's been fairly efficient from the field overall. So probably have to go with Michael Porter Jr. And he's, he's gotten double-digit rebounds in every game. So, yeah. I'm going to pick uh, Yusuf Nurkic. He's coming off a broken leg, I think, and in a few months of this quarantine and he's just been awesome he's played like an all-star and he's really shown how important he's been people who say like that white side is good they he's not this shows how bad white side is that they've struggled so much with him and then they put in Nurkic and they look like gods it's healthy the whole year the eight teams will already be locked up and then Portland would be in there and he's been a big part of their success in the past few years and I think he's the second most important blazer behind Damian Lillard his passing is invaluable, his defense, his scoring. He's just so good. And the fact that he's been able to play this well, like coming off injury and not playing for so long, is really impressive to me. I'm also going to add, since, you know, we didn't really talk about him or whatever, TJ Warren, I will add that uh, in his first five uh, – no, my fault. His first three appearances inside the bubble, he scored 119 points for the Pacers. So I will say that. Shout out to uh, TJ Warren. That guy is – balling he's balling right now absolutely there have been some pretty amazing performances from a lot of players uh in the bubble on saturday the nba announced 
they're finalists for most of the major awards. So why don't we talk about some of those, um, who you guys think deserves to win, who will win. Um, and let's start things off maybe with the Coach of the Year Award, the three nominees, Mike Budenholzer of the Bucks, Billy Donovan of the OKC Thunder, and then Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors. What are your guys' picks for this award? Um, I'm kind of at an impasse between Billy Donovan and Nick Nurse. I think, I think Nick Nurse is the obvious choice, you know, losing. I mean, getting to the finals last year with Kawhi beating the Warriors and then legitimately taking that same team without its best player back to the second seed in the East. I think that's like, I think that's like almost unheard of, uh, especially losing a player like Kawhi, who's literally a franchise player. But then on the other side, you also have like the Cinderella Oklahoma City Thunder with Billy Donovan, who had like what, an 0.2 chance of making the playoffs. And now they're the fifth seed beating the Lakers in the NBA bubble. Just really, really impressive on both sides. I think I have to give the edge to Nick Nurse on this one just because I think that feat over a course of a season is a little bit more impressive than the Thunder who have been led brilliantly by Chris Paul and, you know, Gilgis Alexander, Steven Adams. Um, I'm going to have to give the edge to uh, Nick Nurse on this one just for that. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Billy Donovan. It is pretty close, but Toronto last year, I – they were still pretty good without Kawhi. And, like, I wouldn't expect them to be this good without Kawhi, like, being, like, a finals contender. But Billy, like, like uh, Luke was saying, like, Thunder only had, like, a 0.2% chance of making the playoffs now. The Fitzy, I, I don't think – I think more people would have bet on, the like, the Raptors being who they are than the Thunder being a Fitzy in the playoffs right now. And Billy Donovan did get a lot of criticism as a coach for the past couple of years of how he handled Westbrook. And he's really showing – Prove everyone wrong right now with uh with his roster so i think i'm gonna have to go with billy donovan i'm also gonna pick billy donovan because the raptors they were good without Kawhi. they were good the year before without Kawhi. i know they had DeRozan, but siakam sort of stepped into that DeRozan role so they're basically a really good team every year so i don't know how much credit of that should go to nick nurse while the thunder they lost two top 10 ish players in the league Placed him with Chris Paul, who looked didn't look great last year, and Gallinari and Shea, and they are the fifth seed right now, and they could be as high as the fourth seed. They were going to win over fifty games, probably. They had almost no chance of making the playoffs. I think Billy Donovan should get more credit than he's been getting. Also, I want to add, I think the Thunder have a better record at this point in the season this year than they did last year, and I don't think anyone was expecting that from them. <laughs> Yeah, the Thunder have been definitely a pretty good story. I absolutely could see Billy Donovan as a very deserving winner of Coach of the Year. In the end, I think I agree with Luke. They'll probably give it to Nick Nurse um, just for what he's been able to do in Toronto without Kawhi. Uh, but Billy Donovan definitely makes a great case. The next award that we're going to talk about is the Most Improved Player. The candidates for this one are Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks, and then Brandon Ingram of the New Orleans Pelicans. What are your guys' thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think all these guys can't really go wrong with either of them. Uh, I think they've all been big parts in helping literally lead their franchises out of, you know, kind of the dirt and kind of helping them get to where they are now. Uh, Luca just, to me, just doesn't seem like he 
I mean, they were saying it earlier on, you know, these sports pundits. He doesn't seem like he fits the criteria. I, I want to almost put him in the MVP category because the Mavericks are, you know, obviously nothing without him. But I would probably still have to give it to Bam out of bio. I think, you know, if you look at the averages from last year, he had 8.9 points a game. He had two total, 2.2 assists, seven rebounds. Uh, he doubled his points. Um, he doubled it. He's almost doubled. Yeah, he did double his assists. Actually, a little bit over double his assists. And then he averaged, you know, 10.3 rebounds. So, you know, he's averaging a double-double. I think he's been a giant part of the Heat's success. Uh, the Heat are playing very well. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know. That's, I think it's basically that simple. I mean, there's, there's definitely – you can't really go wrong either with Brandon Ingram or Luka Doncic. I mean, Luka Doncic is a perennial all-star. He's easily the face of the franchise already, if not going to be the face of the NBA one day. He just doesn't seem like like the most improved play. I don't, I don't really know how to say it. I guess he just doesn't fall into the category of improved. I think he actually more falls in the category of being the most valuable player. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to go with Brandon Ingram as the most improved player. Although I really like uh, both Luka Doncic and, and uh, Bam Abbott. Adebayo. Uh, Bam hasn't been the best player on his team. He still has a lot of backup with like Jimmy Butler, who else? Tyler Hero, uh, Andre Godal and stuff like players, like really other great players like that. Uh, Goran Dragic too. But Brandon Ingram really had to lead his team this year and that wasn't a role that he was accustomed to per se. Last year, I think he was like a third option on the Lakers with LeBron and Kuzma and in front of him. So I mean, that's definitely a and he definitely stepped up to the plate this year. He's averaging 24 points per game. He increased his three-point percentage by 5% to 30, like respectable 30, almost 40% from the three-point line. Uh, he's also increased his, all his total, like his rebound numbers and assist numbers, steals, everything you can pretty much think of. Um, so I'm about to give it to Brandon Ingram. He's been the best player on his team. And he's, they, the Pelicans did sort of have a playoff like shot this year, a little bit of a playoff shot this year. And yeah, I'm about to give it to Ingram. Considering all the injuries that the Pelicans have also gone through, Ingram's been pretty consistent. He's played 61 games this year, which is second most of his career. So, yeah. I'm also going to pick Brandon Ingram because while Bam Adebayo looks like he improved the most in terms of, like, what his numbers, he got went from 23 minutes per game to 33. So, his minutes – a lot of that has been just opportunity in that Asan Whitehead's not there, so he's starting every game. Ingram has only – his minutes are almost exactly – same 33.8 to 33.9 and his production went up a lot like uh justin said his three-point shooting has gone up significantly and his free throw percentage has gone up significantly his first three years he shot about 33 percent from three and 66 percent from the line and this season he's shooting 39 percent from three and 85 percent from the line that is a crazy one season difference and he's been like the go-to scorer and the second tier playmaker behind like lonzo and drew and defending the best wing at times. It's definitely coming to like an all-star type player, score well, really well-rounded. Yeah, I, I agree. Ingram's had a great season. All three of these guys have had really awesome seasons. And I also don't think you could go wrong with any of them. If I had to make a guess, I think I'd go with Adebayo, but I think this award might be one of the closest ones out there. And I could honestly see it going to any of them. I wanted to mention Devontae Graham because he's improved a lot too. He went from a, we don't know if he'll be in the league in two years player to a, probably could be a good team. And he didn't even make the 
top three for this category. And even Lucas said that it should be Devontae Graham in there. I think he deserves a shout out. Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely surprising that Luca got a nomination. Uh, but what can you do? Uh, maybe next year Devontae Graham will be in there because he had quite an amazing season and definitely deserves some recognition. Uh, the next award we're going to talk about is the NBA Sixth Man of the Year Award. The nominees for this one are Montrezl Harrell of the Los Angeles Clippers, his teammate Lou Williams on the Clippers, and then Dennis Schroeder of the Oklahoma City Thunder. What do you guys, who do you guys have for this one? Uh, I love Harrell. I love his presence on the inside. He's definitely a big body that, you know, the Clippers are going to throw at teams like the Lakers and the Nuggets going forward. You got to love Schroeder. He, you know, he's a very gritty point guard. Um, I like his rotation with, you know, uh, Gilgis Alexander and Chris Paul. But I got to go with Sweet Lou, baby. Sweet Lou's still balling. Uh, he's averaging 18 points a game, five assists. He's got 35% uh, three-pointers. Or, yeah, three-point percentage at 35%. He's got an 86% uh, free throw percentage. Uh, you could argue that he should be starting on that Clippers. In fact, he should be starting on that Clippers team, I think. Uh, over Patrick Beverly and or Reggie Jackson, whoever they decide to put in. Uh, the game that they lost against the Lakers, you can say if he was there that they, it could have possibly been a blowout. I mean, that's 18 points you're missing right there. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty much as simple as that. I'm going to go with Lou Williams. Uh, uh, I'm going to have to go with his teammate, Montrez Harrell. Uh, I think the only thing that I – Lou Will honestly does better than Harold this spring, but he hasn't even averaged more points per game than Harold this year. And Harold's more efficient. I think he's also more important to the Clippers this year than Lou Will is. Obviously, Lou, is, Lou Will is super important. He is like a closing, closer type of player, but the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George this year to help with like the end of game, like the clutch uh, during clutch minutes and stuff. Harold, he's definitely like Luke was saying, he's a big body to throw at bigger players and. Lou Will is definitely, like, a defensive liability. So, I think – and he's also won the award enough times. I think the NBA is going to try and give it to someone different. So, I'm going to have to go with Montrez Harrell. I agree. I think it's Montrez. I think Lou Will has actually been the worst of these three. He shot the worst. He's scoring the least. I think it's been Harrell. He's been the best scorer, rebounder, and defender of these three players. He's shooting the best from the field, obviously, because he only takes the layups. All of his advanced stats are the best, and he plays the least amount of minutes while still having the most production. So I think it's pretty clearly Harrell. He's played like an all-star caliber player this season. While well, I can't wait to quite see the same for the other two players. Yeah, I think I'd also give it to Harrell. Uh, but they've all been pretty good this season, and definitely Harrell and Williams have helped the Clippers get to where they are and have that success. Next award we're going to be talking about is the Defensive Player of the Year. The candidates for this one are Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks, Anthony Davis of the Lakers, and then Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. What are your predictions for this one? Uh, I've been hearing on the Twitter sphere, I guess you should say, that Giannis is kind of a shoe-in for both defensive player and MVP. Um, I wouldn't really want to see that happen. I guess if he won MVP, I'd rather than give it out to Davis or Gobert. But based on, you know, what he means to his team, I think the Lakers are already kind of – I think the Lakers are kind of lazy on defense. But, you know, you do have LeBron James, who is like a, you know, a lockdown defender. Uh, Gobert is – I wouldn't say Gobert 
is so much of a lockdown defender as he is just more of a big presence on the inside. But I would say Kumpo is a lockdown defender and a presence on the inside. So mine's going to have to go objectively to Kumpo. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Luke. Uh, I wouldn't want Giannis winning both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. I think it should be one or the other. But objectively, honestly, I do think Giannis is probably the best overall like defender on ball and off ball. Uh, besides Giannis, I'd probably have to go with Davis. He's been a centerpiece on the defensive end for the Lakers this year. The Lakers aren't the best defensive team in, like, in general, but Anthony Davis has definitely helped their cause on defense. I think Rudy Gobert, he's still a pretty good defender. Like, he's not a great on-ball defender, better on-ball defender. Uh, off the ball, I think Rudy Gobert's still elite, but I think his numbers have regressed from past years, and his defensive numbers have regressed. So, yeah, I'm going to have to probably go with Anthony Davis, honestly, if Giannis doesn't. I think they're going to give Giannis both awards, so I think Anthony Davis. I'm just wondering why Rudy Gobert is even here. The Jazz haven't been a top 10 defense this season. Rudy Gobert hasn't been that good this season. Why is he a candidate? He he has no he's not in this conversation at all, in my opinion. I think statistically it's been Giannis, but I think the reason the Lakers have become such a defensive force this season, uh third best defense in the league this season, is Anthony Davis. So I numbers don't show it. I think Anthony Davis has been a very underrated defender, even though he's in this top three. But I still think Giannis is going to win it as much as I'd want AD to win it. I think it's pretty clear. And he'll win MVP too. You know, he'll be the third player to ever win both after Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon. Okay, so that's the first award we're pretty much unanimous on thinking Giannis will be the winner of. The one thing I disagree with you is that I think it would be pretty amazing to see Giannis win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP if he managed to add Finals MVP on top of that, which I think is very possible. It would just be an absolutely historic season, and I, for one, would love to see that happen. Uh, but we'll see how things play out over these next couple of months. Uh, getting down to our penultimate award, we're going to be talking about the Rookie of the Year, where the nominees are John Morant of the Grizzlies, Kendrick Nunn of the Miami Heat, and then Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans. Is this Jaws award to lose, or do you think Zion's made a good enough case in the limited games he's played to have some votes thrown his way? Uh, first, I want to say uh, I like all three of these guys. Kendrick Nunn has also had a very good season, and it's kind of unfortunate that it's been overshadowed by this Zion Williamson, you know, rookie of the year rhetoric, I guess, that's been spewed. Listen, all right, so – John Morant has played 64 games and averaged 17 points, three rebounds, and seven assists, shooting 48%, and his team is right now sitting in the eighth spot. Zion Williamson has played 23 games and averaged 22 points, two assists, six rebounds, off 58% shooting, and his team is not in the eighth spot. I don't think, per se, it's, you know, Jaws to lose. Yes, Zion has played very well in the 23 games he's played, I just think Jaw deserves it more. Where he's taken his team as opposed to where, you know, Zion's team already was. So they had Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. I mean, Jaw Morant had, you know, Jaron Jackson who just went down. And, you know, now he's kind of barely, barely holding on to this eighth seed. I don't really think it comes down to more like who deserves it. I actually just think Jaw just earned it. I think he just earned it more than Zion had. He had been working all season for this. I think it almost be kind of like – a big, you know, 
slap in the face if he didn't really win the award. He played all season. Zion didn't. I, I don't really think Zion should even be in consideration for the award. He's only played one-third of the season, so that's where I stand on it. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Luke. I think availability is definitely the best trait in the NBA. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you're not there to play, it doesn't matter. And Jazz definitely – They've played if they played the same amount of games or even similar, like I would definitely give it to Zion. Like I think Zion's for sure the better rookie of the year would have to definitely go to Ja. I think that's definitely unfair to Ja. Like Ja, he played uh, I think over sixty games, like Luke was saying, and Zion's barely played like twenty five or something like that. And this is before the bubble, so he didn't even play twenty games. Um and Ja Ja led his team to an eight seed, which not many people I feel like were expecting, considering how young their team was and how much depth their roster didn't really have. Um, I think that definitely, I think Kendrick Nunn, he's definitely been a pretty good player, but I'm not even sure if I'd take him as the best rookie on his team. I like Tyler Hero a lot. He's been pretty clutch this year and he's a better three point shooter, which is useful in uh, today's game. But yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to have to definitely go with Ja, uh, ja Morant. Ja Morant. Um, I think that'd be unfair to him considering how many more games he's played. And I think that's just a bad message to send, like, to everyone. It's like, Zion's, like, 20 or 19 games are more important than Jazz, like, 60-something games. Like, I think that's just unfair, and I don't think that's a good message to send in general. So, yeah, I'm about to go with Jazz. I'm around. This reminds me of the 2017 Rookie of the Year race between Malcolm Brockton and Joel Embiid, where Embiid – the difference there was Embiid was clearly like way better than Malcolm Brogdon, but played way less games, so they gave it to Brogdon. This time, the gap between Zion and Ja is way smaller than the gap between Embiid and Brogdon was. And Brogdon still won then, so Morant should definitely win now. He's still been really good, and he's played triple the games. I don't think Zion should be in this discussion. I think uh, Brandon Clark deserves to be in this discussion more. Kendrick Nunn, I'm really than Zion. Yeah, definitely. I think over the course of their careers, Zion is maybe even likely to eclipse Ja, but for their rookie seasons, just on the sheer amount of games Ja played and how much he's helped his team, I think you got to give it to, to Morant. And I think that the league will. Um, he definitely seems to be the favorite for rookie of the year right now. Uh, but to end things off, our last award that we have to talk about, it's the biggest one. It's most valuable player. The nominees for this are Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Bucks, James Harden of the Rockets, and then LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers. What are your thoughts on this award? Yeah, I I think, you know, James Harden just kind of the last kind of tag in for this more so one-on-one -on -one matchup for MVP. Um, I will say this. It's extremely impressive for LeBron James at the age of 35 to put up 25 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists. And, you know, shoot pretty much 50% while doing it. But Giannis shoots, you know, Giannis has 29 points per game, basically 30 points, 13 rebounds and five assists, a higher field goal percentage and a better winning percentage in terms of this season. This team has won more games. Uh, I think it's – I don't want to say it's obvious, but I also think it's very, very clear that without Giannis, the Bucks are not the same team. Without LeBron – I think the Lakers with Anthony Davis could hold on a little bit longer uh, than the Bucks would. So my MVP is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I think I'm going to have, like, I don't know, if we're going just based off the, based off of what MVP means as of late, I think 
it has to go to Giannis. I mean, he's been clearly the best player in the NBA. Although what LeBron's been doing with the Lakers has been super impressive considering his age. I don't think it's fair to include your age as like how old you are as like a benefit to LeBron. But honestly, I think LeBron has been the more valuable player with the Lakers. I think the Lakers would be, if you look at like the minutes the Lakers have without LeBron, uh, I think it's one of like the worst plus minus differentials in the league compared to the Bucks without Giannis. Um, so I think LeBron is the most valuable player in the NBA or out of these finalists. Um, but I think Giannis is the better player. And I think based on how the award has been given out the past couple of years, I think it's fair to give it to Giannis. I also think it's Giannis. I think it's pretty cut and dry. I don't know why they really threw LeBron into this. I mean, I know he's he's technically probably been more valuable to the Lakers than Giannis has, but that's not really what the award is. What the award is, despite the name being most valuable player, it's just the best player on the best team, and the best player this season has been Giannis. Boom, that's that's it. I would have to agree with all of you. Giannis has been such an important part of that Bucks team. They wouldn't even be close to where they are without him. So I definitely see him bringing home his second straight MVP and potentially even adding on to that with Defensive Player of the Year and maybe even Finals MVP if all goes well. But we'll have to see. There's still two months of basketball ahead of us. It should be very interesting to see how things play out. So today we've made some awards predictions. We've given you some updates from the halfway point of the bubble. But unless you guys have anything else to add, that's going to do it for today's episode of One Golden Moment. Be sure to keep listening. I'm sure we will do more NBA podcasts over the course of the rest of the NBA bubble and into the playoffs. Thank you guys so much for listening and see you next time. See the skis there. I'm a young.